Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. I thought, I'm, I'm actually going to go to church on Christmas Eve, even, even though we don't have a service here. I'll go to St. Pete's, I'll go to Trinity, I'll go somewhere. and Because I wanted to cover that last theme of Advent. Um, I got up early, I sliced up the ginger, I poked it in the ham with the cloves, I threw it in the oven, only to come back five minutes later because we're house-sitting at the moment and the oven had turned itself off. And I was like, oh, okay. It, like went through the process again, came back 10 minutes later. It was off. Two hours later, I'm sitting in front of the oven going, what is wrong with this thing? Ended up throwing myself in the big ham in the car and going out to our real house and putting it in the barbecue. I should have just gone to church. I was a hot mess. I was cranky Christmas Eve. I was crying Christmas Day. Um, I'm just giving you permission not to have had a Christmas that is perfect. You're welcome. <laughs> um, it was crazy, but I should have just gone to church because we would have covered Christ. The last theme of Advent is Jesus Christ. And so I want us to today on the last day of 2023, reflect on Jesus Christ and then think about how to appropriate that reflection. Uh, I like to finish things well. Anyone else just like to finish things well? Yeah, I I work with a bunch of people who, and have worked with someone who, they write to-do lists simply so they can tick them off. And sometimes even they'll have forgotten to write it, so they go back and write it of the things that they have done and then tick those off because they love so much to tick off a list. I prefer to work more by the vibe, and uh, it means I'm very busy, and by the end of the day I feel like I've done nothing, but um, it works for me. Lots of people like to finish things well, and I've been thinking lately about how do you finish it? season well? How do you actually, um, you know, put a bow on something? How do you make sure that you do it diligently and and the way that you should? And so I've been thinking about that a bit lately. And the perfect sermon for today would be how to finish things well. That's a great sermon. I'm not going to preach it. (laughs) Um, I encourage you to Google that sermon after church uh, because that will be a great sermon and someone would have preached it. But what I've found out, particularly over the last period, but actually my whole life, is that life is really messy. And and if you heard Daz preach on Christmas Eve, you would have heard that we've lived through probably the toughest couple of years of our lives. And when it got to June, I think it was June 9, I can't quite remember, it came to an end for our family. And that was like, oh, it's finished. It's finally finished. And because there were these milestones all the way long, along in that journey where I thought it was going to finish and then it didn't finish. By the way, I just want to tell you, I've got no shoes on because it's summer Sundays. Um, I'm not wearing shoes for the whole of January, so I just thought I'd start early. Uh, you can as well. Uh, feel free to leave your shoes in my office so as not to stink out the general auditorium. In Sri Lanka, they all take their shoes off. There are like a thousand people and all their shoes are at the door and all their feet are inside. Bless the Lord. and my soul. Let incense arise. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, then I, it, it never quite came to an end. And then it did. But only for me to realise that, oh, we still had a lot of work as a church to do and, and that's still not at an end. And, and then my daughter had an encounter in a supermarket recently which made me realise maybe this doesn't end. Maybe this just, I've got to work out how to live in this. And maybe you're someone who... For example, you got divorced five years ago and you're like, okay, five years, that's a milestone, great. I'm going to put all that in a box now. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm taping it up. I'm putting it in the bottom of the linen cupboard. Oh, 
thank God, it's finished, it's over, I've processed it, I'm through it. Only for you to go in and grab a pillow slip and you find out that that box has somehow been opened and it's all over the floor everywhere and you've got that sick feeling in your gut again. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You think something's finished and it, it actually just hasn't. And so I'm not preaching the message on how to finish things well today because life is messy. I want to talk today about how to start well. And, and I, want us to, I want to take us to a memory verse. And kids... If you remember this verse by the end of the service, I'm going to ask our wonderful projectionist to just throw it up periodically through the service, then I will buy your chocolate. Adults, if you remember this, quote it every day and by the end of the week, if you know it, go and buy yourself a mini Mars bar. (laughs) That's how it works with memory verses. Okay, I'm going to read six verses, but what is in bold is the memory verse. Lamentations 3, 20 to 26. I will never forget this awful time. Let me pause for a second. This time, it's called the Book of Lamentations because it is full of lament. Lament is a deep cry of despair. And if you're going through something right now, if you're going through a crushing in your life, I want to encourage you, read the Book of Lamentations. It will articulate what you need to be saying right now. Go home and read it. And it will put words to what you're feeling right now. If you're on a high, if you're feeling great, don't read the book of Lamentations. It will knock you off that high feeling quicker than you fall asleep after Christmas lunch with a food baby in your belly. Just don't, just leave it for another time. But I'm just going to read part because I'm going to read part of the middle today because in Hebrew writing, the, the pinnacle, the point was often at the middle. We tend to leave it till the end in our Western writings. They would put it in the middle. It was like the, the, the structure went like this. Lamentations 3, 20, 26. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who depend on Him, to those who search for Him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. If we want to throw the, the, that memory verse up again, maybe your parents want to take a photo of it so you can just go over at kids and, and get a chocolate at the end. But the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercy, mercies begin afresh each morning. When you woke up this morning, there were mercies afresh for you today. Our beautiful um, 10 a.m. Pastor Linnea, she had a sore back yesterday. I don't know, is it still sore? It's still sore a little bit. And, and there were mercies afresh for her to cope with whatever pain she's in today. 2023 might have been a write-off for you, an absolute write-off. Today it became redeemable. And every day in 2024 will be redeemable. It is as it were as if God was leaning over the veranda of heaven, which is not theologically correct because He's everywhere all the time. But if He was leaning over the veranda of heaven, when you open your eyes in the morning and saying, come on, let's give it a crack. Let's have a go today. Fresh start today, my son. Fresh start today, my daughter. Let's, let's have a go at this. And when you reached for your phone and started scrolling social media, it was like, ah, <laughs> that's okay, we've got this, we can do this. Every day we get a fresh start and we get to go again. This idea that yesterday's mercies are stale now and tomorrow's mercies, you don't need them yet, but today there is fresh mercy for you every single day. So we're going to look at starting well, Mel. Mel's an expert at this. <laughs> but we're going to look at starting well every single day. You know, when Jews, they started their day at the, when the sun went down. How cool is that? They started their day with a feast 
and then they went to bed. Eight hours of no sinning. <laughs> what a great start to the day. When I wake up, I give myself about 10 minutes. <laughs> but they had eight hours of just, you know, whatever happened was not in their control and they were out of it. So they, they, they start like that and they start with rest. How cool is that? And so as we look at starting well today... And looking at this new season, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I want us to, number one, remind ourselves. Thank you to Tender, wherever you are, probably with your children. Thank you to Tender for talking about Thanksgiving, because that's the first point. We are going to remind ourselves of what God has done. Remind ourselves of what He has brought us through. And Daz preached, like I said, an incredible message on Christmas Eve. By the time we got to Christmas Eve here in Tamworth, this, it was the sixth time I'd heard it. I'd heard it in Bendy. I'd heard it three times in prison. Once in um, Narrabri, in prison when we were visiting, not when I was incarcerated. He brought a different message to me then. Um, but, and we were in Narrabri and then here on Christmas Eve. And one of the points in there was such a practical message about peace. One of the points I've actually been practicing for a decade now, Philippians 4, 6. When you find yourself in a fix, remember Philippians 4, 6. Thank you, Salty, the singing songbook from Sunday school. Philippians 4, 6 says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In the NLT, it says it like this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done with thanksgiving. Here's what happens when we remind ourselves, when we thank God for everything He's done. When you face a situation, immediately in that situation, you're bringing glory to God. When you begin to thank Him for what He's done. What you've done, Lord. We thank You, Lord, for what You've done. And you begin to thank Him and it brings glory to Him. The other thing it does... It spits in the face of the enemy. There's an enemy to our souls and he wants to bring us down and he wants to sow fear and anxiety to us and worry and and anxiousness, which is also anxiety, to us. That's what he wants to do. And when we use that worry and anxiety as a trigger to give thanks to God, it's like a, if I'm the devil, which I'm not, by the way, but if I was, I would be like, I'm not going to sow fear and anxiety to that person because every time I do, they just give God thanks. Uh, hands off that person. I'll go find someone else who's going to spiral into despair. We thank God. We spit in the face of the enemy. We bring glory to God. But perhaps most importantly for us as we start well is we remind ourselves of all that God has done. We remember His benefits. We give thanks with everything. We need to do like Mufasa said to Simba, remember, remember everything that God has done. Number two, which also starts with R, and you know they all are going to, rethink, rethink, be like a pirate, an R, R, R. Um, remember and rethink. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. I want you to rethink. I've got an obscure passage alert right now. As I read this, you may be thinking, Bron, what on earth does this have to do with anything? And uh, we'll get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 to 24. It says, Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. Go ahead and cancel that procedure, fellas. And the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now, for it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments 
commandments. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. Obscure passage alert. Why am I bringing this passage up? Because what Paul's doing is actually they're going through a really crazy time at this time. Uh, Jerusalem's being sacked. The, the Jews are being spread far and wide. They're being persecuted everywhere. And he's saying, don't add more trouble than what you need. If you don't need to get married, don't get married because if you get married, you'll have trouble. And all the married people said... <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> and, and so he's talking about this, but, but why, why am I bringing it up this morning? Because I want you to think about slavery for a moment. It wasn't slavery as we know slavery and typically presume on slavery because he says there, if you have a chance to be free, get free. He wasn't talking about escaping. He was talking about working your slavery off and, and becoming free. And he's saying that if you're a slave, that could be your only goal. That could be your only eyes on the prize is I've got to get, I've got to not be a slave anymore. I've got to not be a slave anymore. I've got to work off this slavery, this debt. I've got to get out of this position. And we can do the same in our lives. We can go, I've got to get to this place. I've got to become this person. I've got to get this promotion. I've, I've got to get this house. I've, I've got to get to this many followers. I've got to get to this status, to this position, whatever it may look like. And we can become a slave to what we're hoping for when we're actually already free. And that's what Paul's saying to these guys right here. He's saying, if you're a slave, don't forget you're already free by the Lord. And if you're free, don't forget you're a slave to Christ. He's saying, don't become a slave to the wrong thing. Don't become a slave to expectation and desire to be something else. If you've got goals and it's good to have goals, make sure they're worthy goals. There's a saying, and now, well, essentially Paul's saying, if you're not enough with Christ, Nothing else is going to add enough to you for you to be enough. You're already enough with Christ. And the saying in our world is, if you'll never be enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And so I want to encourage you that even as you have goals, I've got goals. I had a goal at the beginning of last year. Bron, this year you're going to lose 10 kilos. Fortunately, at the end of this year, I've only got 20 to go. I'm psyched. Oh, I'm so pumped. <laughs> you might have goals, have worthy goals, have them all. That is awesome. But don't become a slave to them. Don't measure your worth by whether or not you're achieving them. Remember that you, you, Christ is enough for you. And if, if you haven't made Christ your Lord, He can be enough for you today. He is enough. He is everything. And then finally... Resolve, And this is the main point because we're not Jewish or Hebrew, we're Western and I'm Britain left the main point till last. 54 AD, Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians and five years before that he was with them. And he talks about a resolve that he's made in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says this, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved, <clears throat> this is my resolution, this is my New Year's resolution. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Wow. <laughs> I resolved to know nothing. Now, now, this is not Paul because he's a bit 
you know, not, not so big on the smarts. This is not Paul saying, oh, phew, I've only got to know Jesus. No, Paul is qualified. He's a genius. He's been learning under a rabbi his whole life. He is really, really clever. It's not like the, you know, some preachers say, I only ever read the Bible. And, and you kind of go, that's not the brag that you think it is because you should be able to read other people's opinions of the Bible and then weigh it against what you've come up with, et cetera, et cetera. And anyway, Paul's not going there. That's not what he's doing. He's answering factions that have arisen. You see, Hebrews, they would follow after a certain rabbi. They would align them. Jews would align themselves with a certain rabbi. Greeks would align themselves with certain philosophers. Paul's saying, none of that matters. Christ matters, Jesus matters. And not only Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but Jesus and Him crucified Jesus, the one who lays down His life for others. That's who I wanna know. That's who I wanna glean from. And, and I wanna take you on the journey where this took Him only in a short time, but I wanna read through some passages of Him resolving that, starting with that resolve where it took Him. Verse nine to 10, he's talking to the Corinthians who have, some have said, oh, I like, I like Apollos' preaching. And some are saying, oh, I like Peter's teaching or Cephas' preaching, I really like him, he's great. Some are saying, oh, I like Paul, Paul's my favourite. And Paul says, you wanna know Jesus. You wanna align yourselves with humans. And he continues in verse nine, he says, as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. He's saying, forget the human wisdom. Like It's great to listen to preaching, absolutely. But, but search the depths of God by the power of His Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 20 to 23, he goes on and says, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they're futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Don't rip yourself off aligning yourself with a person or a certain type of teaching or becoming slave to an ambition. All things are yours, he's saying. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. He's saying, hey, Resolve to know nothing except Jesus and Him crucified. Sink down into the depths of who He is. Eight, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. Now he's talking about living a life that's governed not by, oh, I know this and so I'm free in this area, but governed by love for other people. You don't get to that place where you're governed by love for other people unless you've resolved to know Christ and Him crucified. Chapter 13, it says, if I could speak, we got to, we're just going to read this whole thing. You're like, I heard this last week at my cousin's wedding. I don't care, we're reading it again. Chapter 13, if I could speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. This is Paul speaking. Paul who saw miracles, Paul who moved in the mighty power of God is saying it's all nothing unless I've got love. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, which he had, but I have not love, I am nothing. He goes on, love is patient, love is kind. Does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we only see reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Only way you can get to a place where you consider love the greatest thing, your greatest goal, is when Jesus has become your greatest goal. When Jesus and Him crucified, laying down His life for others is all you want to know. So we get to 10 years later for our final two scriptures. 10 years later, and He writes this to the Philippian church. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, he made a resolve. I'm going to let all my other knowledge go, all my qualifications, all my reputation. I'm going to let it all go. And my resolve is to know only Jesus. But now that resolution, that New Year's resolution or whatever resolution it was, whatever time of year, has become a deep desire in his heart. And this, this I can tell you from my own experience, is the pathway. You start with a decision, but eventually the more you decide, the more it becomes a deep desire of your heart. It says, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul has gotten to the place where he has delighted himself in the Lord and the Lord is now giving him the desires of his heart, which align with his desires, which is to experience the resurrection of the dead. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And then five years later, his last words to who he calls his son, Timothy, with nothing left, with all of the province of Asia having deserted him, he pens these words. He says, that is why I'm suffering. I'm about to die. That's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know, I know, I resolved to know, I wanted to know, but now in prison, I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. He has decided and then it becomes a deep desire in his heart and then he knows. And I want you to say in your brain where you're up to on that. Have you decided that you want to know just Jesus? Yeah, okay, I've got good goals and they're really great, but what is overarching all of those is the desire to know Christ. And maybe you're not there today, but maybe you can say, I want to want that. I want to desire that. And if that's you, then just say that before the Lord this morning. God, I'm not there. I can tell you right now, I'm thinking about what's on after church. But gee, I wanted that. I want to be like that. Help me, God. But maybe you are at that place. Lord, I just want you. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else but you. And maybe you've decided that. Maybe it's your desire. Maybe you're there and you know it. And you know him and you know the one you've believed and you're not shaky and you're, you're good to go. And man, can we imitate you as you imitate Christ? That's awesome this morning. That's so good. 
Paul gets his place. He says, I don't care about clicks. I don't care about power plays. I don't care about popularity contests. I don't care about ego. I don't care about any of it. I just want to know Christ. My achievements are nothing to me now. I want to know Christ. And the best start to 2024 that we can have is for us to make that same decision. I made this statement this time last year. It was a dumb statement. I just made it to a few people. I didn't say it in front of the whole church, so I'll just do that now, (laughs) now that I've learned from it. I said this statement. I said, you know what? I'm done with hand-holding a bunch of fat Christians as they limp their way to heaven. (laughs) Thank you for laughing, (laughs) one person. (laughs) Why did I say that? God chipped me over the ear over it. He's like, well, I put up with them all the time, so you should too. And by the way, Bron, you're one of them. <laughs> um, but what I say, I'm like, you know, in our, our world, we can get so comfortable. We can come to church on Sunday. We can hear the sermon. We can even take communion. And we can go home and just live our lives however we want. And we've ticked the box and we've done what we needed to do. And maybe we'll just limp our way there and, and, and maybe that'll be okay. And, and you know what? God is so gracious and so merciful that He will get us there. He will. But I'm telling you right now, I don't want to live like that and I don't want you to live like that. I want you to live in a place where your desire is for Christ and Him crucified. Where you're not like ticking the box of, hey, yeah, we made it through another Sunday and now I've got a whole lot of weeks and I hope I get that promotion and all that kind of thing. And I pray for worthy goals for you and great things to happen. I pray for 20 kilos gone for me. I pray for all those things. But I pray that beyond all that is a deep hunger and desire for Jesus Christ. That you might live in a place where you remind yourself constantly of all that He's done for you that is good. That you might rethink your goals and you might make sure that they're worthy, that you would stand before the throne of God and and you'd be able to recount your goals to Him and He would like have tears of joy that they were your goals and it wouldn't be tears of regret that He wipes from your eyes because of this life that you've lived. And I pray that there would be a resolve as a resolve as a resolve that to know Christ. And so today, I'm gonna close my eyes. You might want to too. And I'm gonna ask that whether it's something that you want to want or something that you do want, I wanna pray this morning and I'd love it if you could stand to your feet with your family and say, that's the kind of life I wanna live, one that is lived, sold out for Jesus. I'm gonna close my eyes. You go ahead and stand if that's you. Yes, me and my family, as for me and my house, we wanna live as a household that is sold out for Jesus with our whole hearts, with everything within us. I'm so far from that goal, but boy, I want it. Boy, I wanna live there. Jesus, help me live there. If that's you, go ahead and stand up this morning. I'm gonna pray for you right now and the team's gonna come and lead us forward. Mighty God, Lord, You see hearts. And Lord, You see those who feel like I'm not even worthy to stand. Lord, I pray that they would know that they are that You are the qualifier this morning. It's not their good deeds. It's not what they've done. It's You who qualifies, Lord, those who You call. And Lord, You've called them and You've qualified them by the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray that, Lord, they would know that Your truth is greater than their hearts even. Lord, I pray that there'd be a deep desire in this church, the Chapel Tamworth, to live heart and soul for Jesus. Mighty God, with everything, that everything else would fall into second place under knowing You and You who laid down Your life for others, that we would live lives that are marked by love. In Jesus' mighty Name, we pray that this morning. Jesus, we receive, Lord, anything that You have for us to enable us and equip us to do that for 2024. And the reason I close my eyes is because I want to pray for everyone who's still sitting down. I don't want to know who you are. It's between you and God. 
Lord, I pray for everyone sitting down. Lord, that they would be able to ask themselves a question. What the hell am I doing with my life if it's not lived for Jesus? Holy Spirit, no condemnation, just conviction we pray in this moment in Jesus' Name. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit will empower us to live the life that You've asked us to live in Jesus' Name for 2024 and beyond. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.